0: Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where our goal is to help you increase your leadership capacity. Let's get ready for today's episode. Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable. It's a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, and I'm your host today, Matt Anderson, and we are grateful for the guests that we have today. The reason we come together every time is to help you increase your leadership capacity so even as we listen in go to our web page you can download an outline of what we talk about it's visit one cc.com slash leadership roundtable now our guest in the house today. We are so excited. He comes from Alabama. His name is Bishop Van Moody from the Worship Center Christian Church. Welcome back to Texas.
1: Hey, I love being in Texas with you guys, Pastor Matt. Thanks for having me again. It's always a joy to be a part of this round table, but also to do anything connected to 1CC.
0: Man, we love having you here and with our listener audience. We're grateful and today's topic that we're gonna jump into. sure is all about the power of discipleship, and not just discipleship, but in today's world. Absolutely. In a digital new generation, what does discipleship look like? And I just wanted to ask you that. Just jump in and start telling us about it. Well, I I think what's important for uh, our listeners to understand
1: is the ground underneath our feet has shifted. Wow. And I'm not sure that every leader, particularly um, leading in the marketplace or particularly for ministry, that they fully understand the implications of that. Mm I think a lot of people um, are coming out of this COVID malaise. And unfortunately, I hear leaders talking about, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I want to challenge leaders. You need to take that out of your vocabulary. It's not about going to a normal or getting back to a normal or even embracing a new normal. Mm -hmm. It's really about what's next. And with that, when you start talking about discipleship, discipleship has always been central to the gospel message. Um, But it is even more critical now because our culture has changed dramatically. Right. And so for an example, the way I describe our ministry, pre-COVID, we were an in-person church that had an online presence. Right. Post-COVID, we are an online digital church that, by the way, has some in-person worship services. And so everything about the way we have historically done discipleship has to shift in this new culture. And that's one of the big, big things that I really want leaders to fully embrace and understand. So not only has COVID been a part of the impetus of this shift, but just culturally. So for an example, now people are consuming information in a variety of different ways. And so the conversation is no longer a monologue and it's no longer one directional. What a lot of leaders need to understand is we're living in a day and time now where we've got to think about asynchronous communication, because so many individuals connect and are looking to connect with communities and information and even material and courses and opportunities for discipleship, but they're not looking just by way of Sunday morning to the pew. They're looking at all of these different platforms. You've got all your social media platforms. You've got things like Twitch. You've got all of these other ways now that people are engaging in community. And we have to think about how do we make sure that God is present Mm -hmm. um, and that we are really following a
0: kingdom mandate through all of those different platforms. Wow. Okay. That's really... So the ground has shifted. I love what you said. The things that used to work no longer work. If we run back to them, we're going to have some hollow results. Absolutely. Uh, What has that... As you've shifted digitally, what has that even looked like in your church? Wow. Um, The
1: easiest way to describe it is the big question that we've had to wrestle with and we continue to wrestle with is philosophically, how do we make sure that the person in Seattle and South Africa Mm -hmm. is just as engaged, has community, Mm -hmm. and grows in their local context just like someone is going and growing and engaging and having community if they were in our congregation sitting in the sanctuary. And so what that means is everything that we do, everything that we historically used to do in person, mm-hmm. we had to make sure that we did digitally, but not just in terms of sending information. Mm-hmm. A lot of leaders think exclusively about streaming. Right? Streaming uh, has its limitations. Yes, you put content out there. But, you know, we've got to move from thinking about social media and these digital platforms like a church bulletin board. And we've got to begin to think about how do we leverage this technology to do a couple things. Number one, to create engagement, to create community, and to have conversations. That's good. Because fundamentally, discipleship is not about you just giving information. People need to be able to engage with the information. People need to be able to dialogue And have conversations around the information so that they can fully assimilate it and that their life has changed. So it's not just about, and I want to stress this, it's not just about, okay, we just need to use technology. Right. It's really about how do we use technology and leverage the benefits of it to create the engagement and the conversation. And that's really what we've had to rethink. But I'll tell you another reason, Pastor Matt, why this is so important. And I got a few numbers. I wanted to make sure that I get these numbers right, so I'll pull out my iPad because I don't want leaders to think that this is just a COVID response. Yeah. When I talk about the ground underneath our feet shifting, this is really a whole cultural shift. So think about this for a second. I just want to give some numbers. For an example, from a church attendance standpoint, there are more than 350,000 churches that are registered in the United States today, but two out of every three are declining Mm. or plateauing. According to Gallup, 40% of Americans report attending church on any given Sunday, but that actual attendance is closer to about 20%. Mm. But then when you think about the hours in a week, there are 168 hours in a week, but most local churches only focus 90% of their resources on the one or two hours that people gather on a Sunday morning, leaving people to figure out, well, then what do I do with the other 166 or 167 hours in the day? But then the other thing is, and many people have read these studies, um, Pew Research has done some studies on this, but there's this growing trend of people who identify as nuns or, you know, no religious affiliation. And what's interesting about that, when you probe that data a little bit more, you see that primarily this is millennials and Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. And when asked why, the question revolves around relevance. But now a lot of people think that relevance is about being hip, mm-hmm. dressing a certain way. It's really about how has the church done its job to integrate itself in their daily life. Okay. So if you've got individuals whose lives are set up through all things digital, I mean, think about it. How do we get our news? Through digital devices. How do we enjoy entertainment? Through digital devices. Right. You know, how do we connect with friends and classmates often through digital devices. And so what the data reveals that a lot of millennials and Gen Z's are saying is for relevance, they mean, well, our life is set up through all things digital, but yet we don't find the church Mm -hmm. in those spaces. So it's almost as if the church is asking them to go against the grain of how their life is built, how, how they're wired to try to encounter the gospel. And so what we've gotta to begin to do is to integrate the kingdom message, Jesus Christ, relevant ministry through those platforms so that we can meet people where they
0: are. That's right. And that's fundamentally what Jesus that's did. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. He went right to them. Absolutely. Instead of saying, you come to me, because I guess that's, that's the old model was, everybody come to church yep. and you go do your thing. Now it's, we're gonna meet you where you're at, if we wanna be effective.
1: Well, I mean, think about the Great Commission. The Great Commission really is broken down into four big pillars. That's good. Right? The first one is go. Right. And isn't it interesting that the dominant way that we do church is not going. It's we want people to come. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is Jesus never reserved his best teaching, best miracles, best moves of God for the temple. Now, he did teach in the temple. Right. Right. But the predominant way that we see Jesus doing ministry is on the backside of him going to where people were and yeah. meeting them. Yep. Whether it's going to the disciples and say, Come follow yes. me. You know, we jump to the well, he said, come, yeah, but he first went to them. Right. Whether it's the Samaritan woman, he must needs go to Samaria. He literally goes to where they are. And that's a part of, I think, an important ethic for discipleship, particularly in this digital world. What technology gives us the opportunity to do is to follow the Great Commission in a very powerful way. We can literally go to where people are, Mm -hmm. meet them where they are, which is the first major tenet of the Great Commission. He said, go, right? He says, right, teach. Mm -hmm. He says, make disciples. Mm -hmm. And then he says, all nations. So we can do all of that in a very powerful way through technology if we leverage it. I believe that if the disciples had access, to yeah. the platforms we had, yeah. man, the world would be set on fire for the good. Yeah. It's just really a matter of the church really examining scripture and saying, okay, we got to follow this mandate. And I think, honestly, I think this was a part of what God was trying to get the church to embrace mm-hmm. through COVID. I don't, I don't recall, Pastor Matt, if you and I have talked about this, but in Acts one and eight, he says, you know, yeah. you're going to be my disciples, right? Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. Right. He commissions them. He sends them out. Jerusalem is your, your main backyard. Judea is, you know, this notion of your larger context, your city, your state. When you get into Samaria, now you're, ca- you're crossing racial and ethnic boundaries. But then he says, don't stop there. I want to send you to the uttermost parts of the yeah. world. Yeah. But then what happens mm. is for the next seven chapters, they don't move. So they get wow. this mandate in Acts 1 and 8 to go. But then they get comfortable, and they fundamentally stay in Jerusalem. Mm. And then Stephen is stoned. And it's the stoning of Stephen that pushes the church into purpose, because you get to Acts 8 and 1, and it says that the church spread to all of those key wow. places that Jesus initially wow. told him to go to. Yeah. And so in many ways, God will use crisis and difficulty to push us into purpose. Yeah. And I think that was a part of the, the greater work of God um, that was happening in COVID, mm-hmm. pushing the church into purpose, into the original intent to get from beyond the four walls and to go after those that are in the world in different places who need Jesus. That's so good.
0: I mean, after a crisis, um like we said before the ground has shifted if if we're on the other side of a covid crisis and yep. we're back we find ourselves in the same situation we were before, then we've learned nothing. We have missed it. And and, and this
1: may be a hard truth for some individuals but if you've come out of COVID and whatever that looks like in your local organization, mm-hmm. and you just fundamentally went back to what you were doing before, you missed it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is not a new normal. There is a new next mm-hmm. that
0: we absolutely have to embrace. Yeah. So what are the what are the fundamental tenets when we when we talk about discipleship? Some yeah. of this is some of this is ways that we have to do discipleship. Some of it's the methods in which we do it. Right. So what is does what some of the new things look like on how we're doing discipleship in this digital world? Well, I think number one, it's important that if you are a leader
1: of a church, that you have a discipleship plan. Good. Now, yeah. I can't rush past that. Because most church leaders that I've spoken to, either don't have yeah. a clearly defined discipleship process or they make the fundamental mistake of believing that the heart of discipleship happens on Sunday morning or Mm. through a new members class. Mm. So what's really interesting is in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7, God is telling Moses, here's what I want you to say to the nation of Israel, as he's getting ready to liberate them. He says, tell them that I will bring you out Mm -hmm. from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. And then the very next verse, he says, and I will free you from being slaves to them. I always challenge leaders to raise the fundamental question. If God says, and by the way, these are the four things, if you keep reading those verses, they lay out the four things that God wants to do in the heart of every believer, right? Salvation, deliverance, redemption, fulfillment. But I always challenge leaders to think, if God says, first of all, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, then why does he turn around and say, and I will free you from being slaves to them? Because the inherent question is, well, if they're out, aren't they free? And the truth is, no, because bringing a person out is a picture of salvation. But then after they're brought out, one of the big pieces that has to be in any cogent discipleship process is you've got to deal with issues of freedom and identity in Christ. Because the challenge with the Israelites is, yes, they were released from Egyptian slavery, but they still had in their minds and in their heart, they were in bondage to all of the things that they experienced in Egypt. And that's the same picture for many believers. If we think that discipleship fundamentally happens on a Sunday morning, yes, somebody is saved, yes, somebody joined the church, well, then we're going to have problems later on. And people often wonder, I can't believe I went to this church or, you know, I started volunteering and serving, and man, these believers were crazy. Well, part of the reason that there's still some challenges is because we haven't done a good job as a church in post-salvation walking people through the steps to really be free. Because people still have a residue or bondage to the stuff that they experienced when they were in the world, mentally, physically, psychologically, and otherwise. And so one of the most important pieces that has to be in a discipleship plan, number one, you got to have it. Yeah. It starts with when a person makes a decision for Christ or makes a decision to connect with your local church. But then you've got to have you know, programming and material that's going to deal with freedom. You know, how do you walk people through a process for them to experience genuine freedom? Galatians 5 and 1. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. But then also identity in Christ. You know, I think on one of the previous podcasts I was on, I talked about my book, The I Factor. Yes. And I went around the world promoting that book. And what was really interesting for me is how hard a concept it was for people to grab hold of who they really are in Christ. Yes. Because so much of our life is defined by so many things that people have said, that people have done, things that have happened to us, and, and we wear that identity. And sometimes it's like an armor, but you've got to take it off in order to fully embrace who you are in Christ. So those are really critical components that need to be a part of a discipleship pathway. But then there are lots of other things. You know, discipleship is, is fundamentally a person who's committed to the disciplines and the truths Mm -hmm. of what it means to look like Christ. So this is about the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of our life. You're talking about money. Uh, That's a big stronghold for people. That needs to be a part of a discipleship process, freedom in Christ, identity in Christ, but then also leadership development. One of the other big mistakes that I think we make in the church is we assume that, well, if you're not called to ministry, then God doesn't have a calling on you. No, there's this king-priest model that we see all through Scripture. Either you are called into ministry or you're called into leadership in the marketplace. And we have to equip people to be effective in both spheres of influence, and that needs to be a part
0: of a discipleship process as well. Gosh, those are all important elements. And, I mean, we can't say it enough, those things can't happen from watching something on a screen you can't you can't get in all of that on sunday not in a 90-minute service (laughs) or
1: or a 75-minute service Mm -hmm. there's no way plus when you look at the model that jesus showed of what real discipleship is Mm -hmm. it's engagement it's conversation it's community but discipleship is also patience patient work jesus did Mm -hmm. life with the disciples and sunday morning Really prevents us in some regards now Sunday morning is important, yeah Sunday morning is the front door it 's the gateway, but then the deeper work of discipleship we 've got to do life with people yeah we've got to walk with them, engage them,
0: you know have community with them, and we can 't do all of that on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. now, how do we do this in And you talked earlier about, you know, somebody across the globe, somebody right here. How do you do this digitally? What does it look like for discipleship to actually happen in a digital space? Well, it's about, number one, you know, there's
1: tons of different types of technology Mm -hmm. that you can leverage, but it's about creating the opportunity through the technology Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have connection and conversation. Mm -hmm. So for an example, um, being able, if you have... Zoom, for an example, you know, I know a particular church that what they did was, uh, and they still do it, they have leaders that will gather. So let's just say they've got a pocket of people in South Africa that are watching them, connecting with them. One of the things that they do is they'll have what's called Zoom church, where there will be a leader that will hop on Zoom and intentionally bring all of those individuals from South Africa on Zoom Mm -hmm. and they will watch the service together but before they watch the service first of all it's a check-in you know hey john how are you doing this week what can we be praying for so now we're establishing community right then they watch the service together and then they debrief they get into small groups either right after that service or on sunday morning i mean not right after the service on sunday morning also throughout the week they can utilize that same technology to have community to create the engagement and, and the conversation. Yeah. So, you know, the technology is the easy part. It's really about how do you utilize it to make sure that you have those three things. Connection, which is engagement, yeah. community, and conversation. Wow. And so, you know, there are thousands of ways that it can be done, but it starts with having a plan and then leveraging the technology to make sure. It's really about moving away from a, from a social media mindset into a social ministry mindset. Okay, that's good. Social media is just about posting to build awareness of your brand, social ministry is about utilizing technology to create the connection, the engagement, and the conversation. So you got to have that feedback loop. That's a part of whatever you are going to do yes. and, and involved in whatever platform you're going to use. And so you know, Zoom is one, exa- one example. Uh, private Facebook groups are another example. Um, you know, we have our own app that allows us to create engagement. Um, There are lots of things that we do. For an example, our kind of first touch point, if you're new to our church uh, or if you want more information about our church, we call it, if you're dating us, we do something every month called the family gathering where, and, and we have people that join this family gathering from all over the country, but I lead it and I do it by way of Zoom. This is when I'm able to meet them. This is when they're able to hear the story of our church. Yeah. Uh, this is where I'm able to cast vision about our culture, you know, what we're after, but then it also gives them an opportunity to ask me any question they possibly could. And now I could do this in person, but doing it in person will cut off the people in Michigan, will cut right. off the people in Florida. So that's one way that we you know, bring people in, create that engagement, and then it, it allows me to talk to them about,
0: okay, here are your next steps in this whole digital discipleship process. I love it. I love it. I love the opportunities to connect digitally, to talk, to converse. And um, prior to this, there was not really many good avenues for many people to sit down with their senior pastor. Absolutely. And have that access. Like, they can have access to you now. They have access. And I I think that's so important. Yeah. Um,
1: It's interesting. I talk to certain people who say things like, well— you know, I don't want to be a part of a big church. Mm-hmm. And I always challenge them, well, when you look at the Acts New Testament church, that was a large church. Yeah. And I think that if you're really going to be committed to the Great Commission <laughs> and make disciples, number one, a church ought to be growing. But it ought to be growing in two ways. It ought to be growing numerically yeah. because you're making disciples. But it also ought to be growing and shrinking, in a sense, from a communal standpoint. Because if you really do well to create those kinds of opportunities for engagement, for community, and for conversation, then a church doesn't feel nearly as large. It shrinks in size. Mm -hmm. And so, church ought to be growing bigger through discipleship, but it ought to be growing smaller through community. And we can do that if we leverage the technology the right way. Wow.
0: All right, closing thoughts. Um, Church that's feeling convicted about this, where do I go next? Who do I watch who's doing this well? What are some next steps I take to get my feet um, on this ground that has shifted? Well, first and foremost, um,
1: I think all of the things that uh, we talked about in the Climb 23 conference is extremely important. Uh, I'm sure that there will be opportunities for people to get those sessions. Um, I taught a whole session on digital discipleship. I I think that's a great resource. Shout out and kudos to you guys. You guys are are killing the game in a a significant way in terms Mm -hmm. of what you all are doing digitally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, obviously, people can look us up uh, and check out any of the resources that we have because, like you all, we create these resources to give away. In fact, uh, my entire presentation about digital discipleship, we gave away to every person that attended the session. And so we're intentionally trying to equip those leaders. So I think those are great avenues to take a look at. Mm -hmm. I think leveraging existing platforms like YouVersion um, is also extremely important. And, and, you know, one of the questions that came up when I was talking about this recently is I had a pastor say, well, what if you don't have a large budget? Right. There's some very simple things that you can do. All you need is your computer and time. And so it's really about pastors and leaders prioritizing this. Sometimes we get so busy that we think that people are a distraction from ministry. Mm. People are not a distraction from ministry. People are our ministry. That's right. And if we wrap our arms around that, then I think we can reorder our lives and place intentionality on connection,
0: engagement, and conversation. That's good. That's so good. Thank you so much, Bishop, for being here with us. Thank you for allowing me to, to be a part of this This is the new podcast. mission field for us. That's it. And, wow, um, we want to shout out Bishop Van Moody, his church, the Worship Center Christian Church. Go check them out online. Again, all the resources and outline of what we talked about, and we'll link some more notes in there. Are going to be at visit slash leadership roundtable and again you can go to climb-conference.com and see all the resources from the conference we really want to give you all the tools you can to be able to expand your capacity in the digital world and we're grateful to have another amazing church that's out there doing it that we can look to and learn from so Bishop Moody, it's always great to have you in Texas. Yes, sir. We cannot wait
1: to see you again. Yes, sir. I love being with you guys. Thanks a lot, brother.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Again, look at us online. And if this has been helpful, we'd love it if you could leave us a review or share this with someone that you think it would help their ministry as well. Thank you again for joining us. We're so honored that you'd be with us. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been an honor to have you here with us. Now, just want to remind you that all of the resources we talked about today are available online at visit slash leadership roundtable. Now, if this has been helpful, leave us a review, go out there and hit subscribe. And more importantly, share this with your team so that everybody can grow. We can't wait to see you next time.